So my name is Katie McWhorter. Warner. Um, I'm sort of the, the person that put this together. Um, uh, I'm not on the Cooper's board. I just was a concerned Cooper's member. People said they wanted to do stuff and do more um, concerned with Black Lives Matter and race. And um, so I thought, hey, why don't we just ask some, some people we know and love from our team and our fans and, um, and see how... Know what, what kind of response we can get. Yeah. Um, I did want to say just to kind of start off, um, just sort of like in the invite I sent you and to other people that I've invited to this, uh, you know, that um, we want to do our best to take the time to, to have real conversations about social injustice that faces our players, our friends. Um, our friends in the stands and in the city of Louisville. Um, and, you know, we, we're here for, to listen, to learn, and to, and to support you as you speak about your experience and your truth. And I want to reiterate to anybody when we have kind of a question and answer session that, that for you as a speaker, Sean, it is not your job to present solutions to us. Um, but only to share and if you feel comfortable to, you know, answer some questions maybe later from the audience. Yeah, of course. Um, well, I guess we'll go ahead and get that started. Um, I don't know if you had the chance to look over some of the questions I sent you. <laughs> Since no. it was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, right. you just, honestly, you just read them out to Cool. All right. Um. Well, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? You know, you can feel free to share anything during this time. Um, you know, like where did you grow up? So, um, how about, yeah, we'll just start with that. How about I just tell like, Yeah. I'll tell you guys the things that you don't know about me. Like, okay. In regards to like what's going on. Right. In this current time. So obviously you guys, Sean Reynolds, Global City, number 15, was there for three years, part of the winning team um what things that you don't know about me is uh, or you might not know is i mixed black and white my dad was never involved in my life my mom was the head of honcho she did everything for me um she's white i spent most of my younger adult life around the white side of my family i didn't get to spend much around the black side of my family i had a lot of personality issues growing up as a kid i uh, struggled to understand who I was and where I was meant to be and things like that. Uh, at age nine was the first time I realized that I was different or that I didn't fit in. At age 12, I developed chronic migraines and patches of gray hair because of the stress that I was under due, and it was just me stressing myself out. Um, my that age nine thing was uh, we went to take family pictures for Christmas and we were all dressed the same and as we were walking through the mall everyone was uh, very you know smiling at my mom my stepfather and my brother you know because they look like you know typical happy family and here I am this little uh, mixed kid walking behind them and I look so out of place and I, I just got weird looks and it was kind of a the first time I was like, wow, like, why are people staring at me like that, like that? And, you know, you could see people whispering to each other, like, maybe they, maybe, maybe they adopted him. 
So that was like my first real kind of wake up call. And that's when I really started asking a lot of questions internally. Um, my hair is, I have white people hair as people would say. Um, so it's very hard for me to show my blackness. Like my dad wasn't around. I didn't, I could, I had no proof. Like I used to carry a picture in my wallet of my dad just to, you know, prove to people that, Hey, like I am black, like I'm not adopted. Um, and that's when like the migraine started when I was 12 was the stress and things like that. Trying to get people to understand like, you know, Hey, like I'm, I'm not, I'm not, uh, adopted. Like, I, you know, my mom is my mom blah, blah, blah. Uh, when I went to high school, high school is when I had a real wake-up call because in Fort, Fort Long Beach is a small town, but Fort Long Beach and Destin, uh, both sides of, you know, everyone is like, oh, it's beautiful, it's, it's this it, and that, like the beach and everything, and like, it's true, it's great. But the people that are there are very close-minded. Um, it's very capitalistic, uh, tight place but of course it's a it's a tourism place you you guys I know some of you guys that go down there and spend your money in the area that I grew up and that's what helps us you know helps the people in my area survive because there's not really much else to do there unless you go into the military so but when you go to high school and you have kids from Destin and then you have kids from Fort Walton where there's a huge uh a huge difference in terms of money, background, um, tra- like being well-traveled and things like that. Uh, it, it was like, <laughs> it was very weird. And also anyone who knows like North Florida, we call it Lower Alabama because <laughs> there's, there's not much difference between under I-10 to what's above I-10, but if you're, once you go above I-10 in Florida, like you might as well be in lower Alabama or lower Georgia. There's not much of a difference. Um, I was 14 or 15 the first time someone called me a nigger. And in my head, I was kind of like, all right, cool. Like, you know, get it, you know, say say how you feel. Uh, That was, um, that was a very strange, strange experience for me because like I, I, when you playing soccer, like all the kids on my team were white, and you know none of them ever called me that. They would, and they would have black jokes and things like that. But it never, I never was like, oh, I was just like, all right, whatever, you know, it is what it is. Uh, my high school captain was very racist. He still is very racist. Um, his cousin was the same age as me. We came into school together. She played on the uh, soccer team on the girl side and I played on the guy side and you know we'd go to the girls games and like we'd all hang out and she dated a she dated a black a black guy for a while too in her freshman year and uh mostly throughout her high school uh her high school years and he used to call her words like snicker liquor uh nigger lover I mean all types of things and I would just look at him like what like what the fuck is your problem what like why does it bother you that much and he's like oh it's all funny games no like that that's not funny games bro like that's you have a serious issue so that was and that was just my freshman year 
you know, we actually had uh, our school got shut down for half a day because our uh, we, <laughs> we basically had a group of a group of kids who were country and redneck basically start shit with the football team. Monkeys. Uh, we had a girl tell. Uh, we had one girl tell like a, a table full of black girls that black people are good for two things: frying chicken, hanging from trees, and like that was it. It just fucking sparked, and the rest of that day, just like they're like, all right, everyone go home. Everybody needs a cool heads. Uh, someone's uh, the Confederate flag got ripped out of the back of a car. I mean, like a true Confederate flag just hanging out the back of a truck got ripped out they fucking burnt it it was it was insane like I'll, I'll never i'll never forget that shit but that was the type of things that i grew up in you know people think like florida is not the south but north florida is the south alabama mobile all that is right there for me mississippi is only two and a half hours away so like as much as i say like yeah i'm from florida like i love i love florida I actually hate it almost as much because of that shit. When you're a kid, you don't think about it as much because you're a kid. You, you're just, you know, your world is so different. You're not thinking about the things, you're not talking about the same things that we're talking about now. You're just, you're going through life. You're just trying to make, make it out, make it through high school a lot. That's the only thing you're thinking about. And I think back to a few times where I was harassed by the cops and one of the, uh, you know, I'm not going to go into a bunch of different stories, but the story that sticks out in my mind the most is a friend of mine, his dad owned condos and he used to let us use them to, to party. He's like, Hey, if you guys can use them, but you have to clean them. Like, All right, cool. And we pulled into one of the condos. I was driving. I typed in the code. There's three, there's three other guys in my vehicle. I type in the code, we pull in, we park, and as soon as we park, a cop pulls up right behind us, and I'm like almost blocking it so I can't reverse, and he walks up to, he walks up to my window, and another guy walks up to the passenger window, and my, my boy is, is in the passenger side, and the cop starts asking a bunch of questions, and I'm quiet, I'm not saying anything because, you know, it is his property, like where, where we're going is, like, they own it. And he tells the cop everything, and, you know, I'm thinking, okay, we're all good. Well, then the cop starts asking me the same questions, and I say, well, sir, he just answered it. He's like, yeah, but I'm asking you. I say, well, I, I mean, I'm going to give you the same answers as him. And he, like, took, he was like, oh, you want to be a smartass? <laughs> like, I laughed, because I was like, yo, what is, like, what's your problem? You know, like, what, what is your deal? And he... He was like, oh, what's my deal? I was like, yeah, what's your deal? Like, he answered the questions. I'm answering the same ones. Like, what, what's the problem? And he was just like, you know what? Why don't you, why don't you get out so you can talk to me? And I, I'm, in my head, I was like, what, what is going on? Like, I, like, that had never happened to me before. I never had that happen where I had a cop tell me to get out of the car. And I was being, and I was being polite. Like, in my head, I was like, yo, I haven't done anything wrong. So I get out of the car. My friends don't say anything. They're all quiet. They're all just kind of watching. Well, he keeps he keeps kind of like badgering me, and me, and you get like most of you know me. Like if I get badgered, like I'm gonna fight back. So he starts at he you know giving me shit. So I was like, well, fuck it. 
like, I'm going to give you shit back. And I was like, I don't see, I was like, why don't you ask them the questions? They're the ones, like, I'm just driving. You saw me punch in the, you saw me pull in here, I punched in the code. Like, I wasn't at the gate for that long. So, like, what, like, what's the issue? Next thing you know, I'm in the back of a cop car. All because, of, all because he's, he's questioning me about why I'm there and things like that. And when I think back on it now, like, I could have died. If he was like, if he was trigger happy, or if he said I was resisting arrest, like anything like that, like I could have died. I wouldn't have been the Sean Reynolds that y'all know, to, like y'all know today. And that that was that's only one of the stories. I have I have several others, you know. And like I think back to those moments, and I'm like, damn, was I like, did I really deserve that? And the worst part about that story is when I got back in the car. My friend had the audacity to sit there and tell me, like, why did you talk to the cop like that? Like, why why would you act like that to the cop? Like, I did something wrong. I was like, well, what did I do? I just answered the questions. And he got mad because, because I told him that, you know, I, because I said, you're going to get the same answers that you got from him. Like, I, I deserve to be questioned even more. And that stuck with me for, like, that stuck with me. And I thought about that, and I was like, man, I don't, I don't ever want to be caught up in one of those situations again. And as I went through high school, more situations like that happened. But as I got older, I tried to distance myself from any of those situations again because I was like, nah, like, I see how cops are. I see, like, I've been called boy. I've been asked where I'm headed. I've been asked all types of things. You know, luckily, for the past eight years, I've been kind of protected by being a professional athlete and, you know, kind of had, had like a surrounding, uh, like a surrounding blanket of like safety, you know, with the fans, with the clubs, everything like that, you know, like something happens, you say, oh, you know, they ask you like, what do you do? You say, oh, I play for Louisville City or I play for St. Louis FC or like wherever I'm at. It's like, oh, okay, you know, like it, it, it almost becomes like, oh, you're a professional athlete, okay. But then sometimes it's like, oh, so you think you run shit. It's like, no, that's not what I'm saying. You ask me what I do, like, I'm just telling you. So, like, it's it's weird sometimes how it can be a safety blanket, but it can also trigger trigger someone to think, like, that they believe that you feel you're better than them. But, you know, like, now, who I am, well, I was at 25, and who I am now are two completely different people. I went through a lot of change when I was in when I was in Louisville from 2016 to 2018, 2019. I went through a lot of change, and the reason I went through so much change was because I, I felt uncomfortable about who who I was, and you know I felt uncomfortable with the people who were around me. And it wasn't anything against them. It was just I've always felt uncomfortable in my own skin, felt uncomfortable in my own home, felt uncomfortable with my own family. You know, like, <laughs> there's you have people in this world who are racist, and they don't know it. And I have people like that in my family. They say shit that's mad racist. And I'm sitting right there, and they're like, oh, but he's not like that. <laughs> the fuck does that mean? You know, like, I'm, I'm asking myself, what do you mean by that? If you didn't know me, would I would I be one of those people? And, you know, like I I've, I've been dealing with that for a long time. 
when I turned 20, when I turned somewhere between 25, 26, I started asking like, who am I? Started asking a bunch of questions and you saw me change a lot. And honestly, that affected my career at Louisville. It honestly did. And I'll never forget the conversation I overheard at dinner about Colin Kaepernick and Trump and uh, shut up and dribble. And I, I remember the people who were sitting at that table. And in my head, I was like, man, these are these are people in my in my in my business. These are people who I'm I'm associated with. Nah, I don't I don't nah like I can't bang with y'all like that. Like that's how y'all feel. Like I don't know if we could ever see eye to eye on a lot of things. Now I know like they might not be educated. And they might be educated now. They might have had a change of heart. But at that moment in time, I kind of took a step back and started asking a lot more questions about myself and what I was doing and how I, how much I was educated. And I started asking about the black side of my family a lot. And one of the most bitter, bittersweet and honestly the most revealing moments in my life was when I got called into the office and they said, we're not picking up your option. And like, that was heartbreaking for me because I love, I love Louisville. I love the city. I love the pe- I loved you guys and the people who supported me. Uh, most of my teammates, I still have a great connection with. I know y'all see the pictures of us at Greg's wedding and other guys' weddings. Like we talk on the, you know, I talk to some of those guys every other day or at least once a week whether it's a little some some or you know you know full-blown conversations but it's it, there's always something because of that bond but then again like going to st louis i discovered the black side of my family because they lived there and even though like the games and the playing and everything was very different you know I, I, like on the field like i wasn't as successful as I was at Louisville. Outside of outside of soccer, my life was just being changed like drastically. Being around the black side of my family, learning things about myself, understanding that a lot of the a lot of the ways that I am come from that side of my family. And I never would have known that if I never went there. So as much as I love as much as I loved being in Louisville, as heartbreaking as it was for me to hear like, oh, we're not gonna bring you back. And then the reason why, you know, I was honestly happy. It was one of the best things that ever happened to me was being told I'm not coming back and getting that phone call saying like, oh, we wanna bring you to St. Louis. And then my cousins called me, oh, you coming? Hey, let's go. Like, we didn't even know you had a soccer team here. Like, you're mad excited. And the amount of time I spent over there, the amount of history that I learned about myself, the amount of history I learned about African-American people. Like, my my relatives were slaves. Like, my, they, and they can trace, we can trace that shit back. Like, we know it, and, <laughs> and I know. You know, I know that my family comes from my family is originally from Jackson, Mississippi. We are from the South. It's no wonder why I like chicken and waffles and shrimp and grits and things like that. It's just that's just that shit's just in my soul. 
You know, people people they laugh at that, but I think that's true. For me, it is. Like, there's a reason why I feel a certain way, and I am the way that I am, because that shit was passed down. And it was, it's just in my DNA. And whether you want to believe that or not, like that's up to you. But I believe that for sure. And you know, like after not going back to St. Louis and having spent my time there, and you know, now I'm in Chattanooga. And for most of you that don't know, like I was actually planning on retiring. I was done with it. I was done with the bullshit. Like I didn't want to play anymore. And like I didn't feel the same. Like I felt like my life there was. I needed a different purpose for my life, and uh, coaching coaching is that. Like, I love the game. I love coaching. I love, you know, being in control of shit, and I learned a lot in my time playing, but my life has greater meaning than just playing soccer, and my, tri- my two-week trip to Europe and backpacking through Europe by myself taught me that, so... Um, you know, like now here I am in the middle of a pandemic, the middle of a Black Lives Matter movement where I've been teaching myself and learning as much as possible so that I can help educate other people on A, what I've been through, what other people are going through and ask questions. And that's what a lot of people, a lot of people don't understand that the only way to learn is to ask questions. You know, they say, the if you're the smartest person in the room you're in the wrong room and fortunately for me like i've been in the wrong room the wrong room for a long time so this the stage i'm in now it's like it's a great place and i'm kind of glad that y'all asked me to do this because i feel like i've seen that you guys are having trouble like within the coopers you have you know like whatever's going on like i hate to see that because you guys are a great fan base and uh you know like this shit right now is bigger than sports. As much as people don't want to believe that, like it is, uh, you know, you, <laughs> NBA and NFL are primarily African American players. And you know, like I know Louisville, like you guys love Lamar Jackson. If you're a Louisville, if you're a Cards fan, you love Lamar Jackson. And I've I've seen it when I was in Louisville, where you got people who cheer for him at one time. But then the moment he takes his jersey off, like he's just another nigger. And that's like, that's crazy to me. But, you know, like, like I said, where I'm at now is completely different than where I was five years ago. And I'm very proud of that. And I'm, I'm excited to have this conversation, like this open conversation with you guys. Cause I think, I think you guys care enough that you asked me to come on here, which, you know, that shows a lot, but I also care enough about you guys to have this conversation. A, A because I don't give a fuck you know, what people say. Like, I'm going to speak my mind. I'm, I'm going to be honest. And I think you guys know that. And then B, like, we, in, order to, in order to grow, we have to have tough conversations. And that's, that's where we're at right now is tough conversations. Once we move, and the thing is, is once you move past those tough conversations, that's when that's when you start to learn. So that you start doing your own digging, which is what I hope I can, which is what I hope I can do for you guys after this is done. It's like ask, ask whatever questions that you guys have to ask. Like, I hope that I can answer them. And then I hope that I can give you some facts and information that you might not have known to pull on those strings. Hey, Sean, can you hear me? Yes. 
Hey, it's Lillian and Dottie, one of the one of the younger Coopers. She's, oh my God, I've been cussing this whole time. Been That's what she said. She said, did he say a bad word? I said, he did, but you know, it's Sean. Oh my God, I feel terrible now. God, no, no. She wanted, I said she wanted to join. She was going to, she needs not to hear the bad words, but it's okay. She needs to hear this. But I, I know Katie said, because we're going to have to, or she's going to have to jump off because it's bath time. And I know Katie said, you're not responsible Obviously, they're coming up first with solutions for us. But before Dottie has to go to bed, can you? Um, she's only seven, and, and we're having these conversations. What would be some good things that she could do at school to help be an ally to her her black friend? I, it's it's that's the thing. It's like it's tough because so Ali, you might you might understand. You might understand what's going on like you might be having these conversations but other kids might they might not and that's where it becomes difficult to try and get them to understand but the best way to do it is like be friends and always protect always you know think think about like protecting protecting them and if someone says something that's mean to them you should you should be like no like that's me a because it's bullying like we don't like bullies that's the first thing but b like you want to make sure that you know if it was if it was me would you want to protect me if i was still playing for louisville city you want to protect yeah. me right right well, yeah we love sean yeah well if, if if something you know if you if i saw a car coming you're in the middle of the street i would do whatever i could to protect you so it kind of goes it's got to go both ways you know yeah and just now my the damage to me might be physical but you know, the damage to your friends in school might be mental. And let's, let's, you know, I'll tell you this, that mental, mental pain goes a long way. It's very hard to forget mental pain. I mean, look at me. I was telling you stories about when I was nine and I can still remember them now. And I'm 30. That's it's a long way. It's a long time. Yeah. Can you, can you tell Sean? Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Sweetie. And I, I'm coming back, but I'm gonna go take her. I'm gonna go put her in bath. But I just wanted to ask that before we left, and I'll be I'll be back in a minute. Okay, cool. Thank. Does anybody else have some questions? I've got some kind of lined up. Okay, since nobody's kind of taken over, um, I was glad I've had a, a couple other people that I kind of asked, like in the Loose City Ladies and stuff like that. And one of ours was, you know, do you ever feel like you have to monitor your emotions more as, you know, a player of color? I'll answer that question. Just give me one second, because I'm the sure. cooking dinner. I'll oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll take a little break. Come back. No, 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 I'm coming back. <laughs> Again. Right. So, so you asked me if you have to, if I have to monitor my emotions as a person of color when I right. play. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's funny that it's funny that you say that because um, my call it. You know, my college coach said, oh, he play, when he, he plays with his emotions and, you know, when he does that, like, it can be dangerous. You, you don't know what's going to happen. And I know, like, some guys, 
people believe, like, you know, even in my time in Louisville, it's like, oh, Sean goes into dangerous tackles. It's like, yeah, like, I, I did, you know, every now and then. But a lot of the time, it was just passion. And um, sad to say, like, I was told multiple times, like, I had no control over my emotions, which is what led to me not playing in certain certain games and things like that. And it was like, all right, like, you know, I'll take that. But then it's like if someone were to call me, if someone on the field were to call me a nigger and I lost my shit, would we, would we still have that same conversation? Would it still be, oh, you lost control of your emotions? It's like, well, you're not going to fucking do anything about it. And that, like, that becomes, that becomes, you know, you hear that all the time. It's like, would you start a fight over that? Would you start a fight if, if if you were in the street and someone said something racist to you? Would you would you then want to fight that person? But just because I play soccer doesn't mean I'm not fucking human. Doesn't mean that saying something like that to me won't like burn me. And you know you see it like you see it in today's game like the monkey chance, people throwing fucking bananas on the field. Like that's not cool. Like that hurts. That hurts to think that a, a whole entire stadium of people or someone thinks that way about you, but you know, you're, you're just, you're just, and they're trying to get to you as an athlete, but really what they're doing is they're getting to you as a person. You know, like, I don't, I don't mind, I don't mind banter. Like I, I've smiled at fans when they talk shit to me because it's funny, it's part of the game. But the moment you cross that line, it's like, I have a problem. And you have to, you ask your, you ask you like I like I would ask myself. I asked myself this question several times when I played there, several times. If that were to happen, who my which one of my teammates would have my back? Well, simply because you know like they don't. They've never. They might never have had to deal with those situations before. And everyone says like, oh yeah, kick kick racism out of football, but. You know, there's a shit ton of racist things that happen in football all the time. You know, I've heard it several times. Oh, he's big, strong, fast black lad, not very good, not very smart. And that's almost every single black player that a coach talks about in football. Almost every single one. You hear it all the time. Oh, he's good, he's fast, he's got pace, but he's not smart. Technically, he's not as great as this guy over here. That shit happens all the time. And it, and it's it's other things too, like in in terms of you know people of color, you know of all backgrounds, like Hispanics are dirty, they kick you, they spit at you, like this and that. And I'm looking at my friend over here, I'm looking at my boy over here who's Hispanic. And I'm like, yo, dude, are you gonna say something? Like, do you? Fit? It's like, yeah, but what, you know, it is kind of true. It's a stereotype, and stereotypes stereotypes are okay, but one like there's stereotypes and then not liking someone for that stereotype you know it's 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 one of those hard lines that people flirt with but would i say that i have to be more aware of my emotions when i play yes because i'm judged more on them i'm judged more on if i lose my shit i'm just another just another black kid who doesn't know how to control his emotions because i wasn't brought up that way i didn't have any discipline in the house that's the shit that people say. Uh, there's not a dad in the house. Uh, you know, uh, he wasn't raised properly. Right. A bunch of a bunch of bullshit. Because if a white if a white person did that, if a white white person lost his emotions, uh, he's lost his emotions. But they're not going to talk about his family. 
talking about his background. It's just, oh, he lost his emotion. Does anybody else have any questions? Um, so you mentioned like hearing those comments. Um, was that more from other players, or did you hear that in the stands? Which comments? Just racist comments toward you or other players. Um, it's more. It, you hear it more in the stands, honestly. But like, <laughs> you don't really. You don't. I try to think. I'm trying to think on places I've heard it. I've only heard it a few. Like I've heard it a few times. Um, trying to think if one of them was. Definitely heard it when I was when I was a kid. Um, actually, I. <laughs> I actually got into a fight in the middle of a game because a kid called me nigger. <laughs> I was 17 and I was ready to beat this kid's ass. Um, had happened, and like that's the thing. It's like when you're playing, like when you're playing, especially at the top level, like you tend to you tend to like you have to block those things out. I'm the type of person where like I block out most things. But if I hear something funny, that's when I'll react. I'll, I'll laugh. But thinking on like in my professional career, like I've heard, I've heard one or two things that were kind of borderline. You know, like, all right, you need to, you need to back it down over there. Like you're you're going too far. But you know, nothing like no one ever dropping like an M bomb on me from the stands or anything like that. But I've had, you know, monkey. Um, uh, what was it? What's the uh, what was Aladdin? One called me Aladdin one time. I thought that was funny, but I'm like, I'm not, I'm not even Middle Eastern, but all right, cool. Uh, yeah, Monkey and Aladdin, those are two that stick out. Boy. I don't know, like, what is it with boy? I, I guess that just is passed down from generation to generation. I've heard, you know, like, people don't think that's much, but when you look at history, boy is derogatory because that's what, you, that's what, that's what black people back in the day were called, boy. Where are you going, boy? Like, I've heard that one in the stands a few times. But I, there's not really, like, some of the games, they're all, like, mushed together. I've been playing for a long time, so it's hard to hard to separate them. Does anybody else have any questions? Uh, Austin just typed something. I realized how blind it was. Oh no! Austin had a question. I can't. Here we go. Said Sean, it's not much of a question, but as I've gotten older. I realized how blind I was to racist comments made by my white friends. I always said, well, I have plenty of black friends, but I could never think of a time I stepped in when someone made a racist comment or joke and took it too far. What is the best way to reach my younger family and friends, no kids, and teach them to make sure they always stand up to someone saying racist shit? Love you, brother. Thanks for sharing. Um, honestly, like, I'll give, you the, I'll give you one of the best examples, because 
and the shit was hilarious. So everyone talks about like everyone makes everyone makes jokes. Everyone makes racist jokes. Like everyone's done it as a kid or like whatever. Uh, when I was in high when I was in high school, uh, people were telling you know funny jokes in in a kitchen. We're all laughing. We're having a good time, and I'm standing next to my boy who is doing big things in Birmingham for the civil rights uh, committee. Um, we're standing there, we're, we're just you know, chilling. And this kid, he's wearing a camo hat. Uh, he's got flip-flops on, cargo shorts, fishing shirt, like, and then he's got a like camo jacket on. He was like, <laughs> God, he's like, hey, I got, I got a good one to, uh, I got a good joke. And he starts telling a joke. Well, he stops and he looks at us and says, "Do you guys care if I say nigger?" And my my boy goes, "If you say that word, I'm gonna drop you right here in front of all these people." And I'm like, at this point, I'm like, "Let's go!" But of course, like we're black, so it's a little bit different. Now, if someone white says, "If you say that, I'm gonna drop you in front of all these people," like I, like I would have been like, "Oh shit." All right, that's cool. I, and you know, basically, what what I'm saying is, is, you ever you ever been in a room full of white people and they say racist shit? But if you were to add a black, if you think to yourself, if you were to add one black person and put them in that room, would they say that? Would they say that same shit? Maybe, probably not. So, if they're comfortable enough to say it without like without a black person there someone who is there should be like yo i know like i know there's no one here that's of color or black but i'm gonna need you to not say that because you wouldn't say that if they were here and that's what people don't understand is like i brought up lamar like uh lamar everyone loves lamar jackson they love him as a football player if Lamar did some stupid shit off the field, a lot of people would just be like, oh, fucking, he, it, the, you know, wish he wouldn't act like that. I wish he wouldn't act like fucking black person. Like, that is the type of shit that is said about athletes, about African-American athletes, about black athletes. And people don't understand, like, a lot of people don't get that. Like, the moment that jersey comes off, what they do as a person completely changes someone's mindset on 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 who they are. He's a great athlete. God, I wish he wouldn't act like, you know, act like them. Wouldn't act like, you know, he was uneducated. He went to the University of Louisville. He should know better. The fuck does that have anything to do with how he was raised or how he grew up? You don't know. You're like, you, you weren't there. You weren't, you weren't there. So, to answer your question, it's like, is it hard to stand up for someone who's not there? Fuck yeah, it is. It's hard to do that because, you know, they're comfortable saying it around you, which tells you a lot. So, you know, for me, it's like, you, you know, coaches always talk about the hard work you do when no one's looking. It's a lot harder to, it's a lot harder to defend someone who's not there than when they are there. Because then, like, there's two of you when they're there. But when they're not there, it's just you. It might just be, and honestly, you gotta ask yourself a question like, of those people, of your friends, of your family, like, 
To be honest, I've been cutting my family off on my mom's side. <laughs> it's, and I don't feel bad about it because they're, you know, they are who they are. And maybe me leaving, being out of their lives might change, might change that. It might not. But that's the question you have to ask yourself. What is, is it even worth being friends with those people? Sean, I appreciate it. Uh, really, like, the only thing I think of was, like, how many arguments I've gotten into for uh, friends that say, well, I'm just, you know, I'm just rapping lyrics. Like, it's just the N-word. Like, I don't say it regularly. And, like, I get in that argument all the time. Like, dude, if you're as cool with saying it in a song, like, I listen to the same song you're listening to, but I just bleep myself. Like, how hard is that? Like, why do you have to, like, say that? Okay, so... I, I literally, I, I actually just posted something about this on my Instagram not that long ago. And the, the guy was saying, for a word that was invented by white people to be derogatory, and I'm not, talk, I'm not saying y'all, but this, like, this is me saying what he says. He said, for a word that, that white people created to be derogatory towards black people, to want to use it so much, like, why do y'all want to use it so much when black people made it cool? You know what I mean? Like, it's like if <laughs> if someone called you shithead all the time, or they called you uh, piss pants because you peed your pants one time, and they always called you piss pants. Fucking, you know what you do? You fucking start calling yourself piss pants because then you own it. Why do you, hey, nigger turned to nigga because black people started owning that shit because. It was racist as fuck to say it. So, you know, we took that shit and made it our own. I'm not saying me, because I have my, you know, I, you know, I only say, like, I had to mask who, I had to mask myself for a long time. I, I'm not, I don't do that shit no more. Um, I, I try not to say it, because I know it makes people feel uncomfortable, but I say it. I'm not gonna lie. Like, I do. I say it with my friends, I say it with my black friends, you know. It it happens. And I am who I am. But like I said, why like ask them that for a word that was so derogatory towards black people? Like, why would you want to use it? And this is the other. He kind of and it was fun. It's funny, but he said his wife calls him honey, honey, baby, you know, boo. That's what his wife calls him. There is a connection between those two. He said, if a random woman walked by him and said, oh, hey, honey, his wife would be asking questions. Why is she calling you honey? That term of endearment. Why is that person calling you honey? Like, why is that woman calling you honey? You know, he talked about his dad. His dad's name, I forgot what his dad's name was, but everyone called him Billy. He said, if, my, if I would have called my dad Billy, he would have took that belt off and beat my ass. Like, so... Going back to the question, it's like, why do why do you why do you want to say it to be to be cool? Because that word was never originally cool ever. It was to put us down and you know not you know like I mean even me to this day it was to put us down. So why would you want to say it? Because we like because we made it cool. 
it doesn't make any sense. So, and I, what I'll do is, uh, I can I can find the link and send it to you if you want. Just reach out to me on Instagram and I'll send it to you. For if anybody wants if anybody wants to watch it, just let me know. Anybody else have any questions? Hey, Katie. Matthew. Um, so, Sean. Hey, Sean. Um, so, I think this question's kind of related, so I feel like it kind of slots in here. All right. Um, this is something that I've asked others recently while I've been out, um, and I'd like to get your perspective on it as well uh, for the group. So, you know, one of the arguments that I hear a lot is, oh, well, black people kill black people more than they kill white people. Stop. All right. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I'm so fucking sick of hearing that, and I'll tell you why. Do if, if you go, if, all right, we're going to use Louisville, for instance. If you go to the east side of Louisville, you see many black people there? Hell no. You see it. Everyone, and this shit pisses me off. Everyone, oh, when I first moved there, uh, uh, Louisville's a great place. Just don't go to the west side. Why? Uh, there's a lot of crime there. And in my head, I was like, is there a lot of crime there or is there a lot of black people there? So ask yourself that question. Yes, black people kill black people. We know that. We, we talk about that shit all the time. Like, me and my cousins had full-blown on conversations on fucking New Year's about this shit. You want to know why black people kill black people? Because they live in the same fucking space. You want to know why white people don't kill other white people the way that black people do? Because they're not fighting for fucking food. East Louisville and West Louisville are two different, they're two different worlds. You want to know the, you want, you want to know one of the, 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 uh, the number one issue, the number one problem. The reason why there's so much violence the reason why you hear black on black crime, opportunity. How many Krogers, how, how many Krogers are in West Louisville? One or two. That's exactly. You know, you know how many Krogers are in East Louisville? You know how many Krogers I could drive to in a small radius when I lived at uh, uh, Hurstbourne? Exactly my point. They yeah. had to. If you can't get it on the west side, you have to go to the east side. Well, the money on the east side circulates only on the east side. They don't go back to the west side. They don't take money back. They take food back. Opportunity is opportunity is the biggest and most important issue in that. You want to know why? You want to know why? Uh, why, why? Why did a black person kill another black person? So, oh, there's drugs. This, yeah, drugs. What do drugs lead to? Money. What is a, what is a, another, what is a rival gang member kill, you know, what is a black person who sells drugs kill another person who sells drugs? Money and his, and his drugs. So he can sell his drugs and make more money. And then people say, oh, well, that's the problem. It's the drugs. Well, fucking let's go all the way back. Let's go, take it back. Go all the way back. Do your history. If there is more opportunity, and this whole idea of like, like, this is not about politics at all. This is about equality if you go back all the way back to the moment that slaves were free 
maximum when there is actual free black people. There is the black side of town and the white side of town. Go from there. Do your research. And this is this is where I get this is where I get the most angry and upset about this whole thing is people want to say, well, systemic racism isn't a thing. Yes, the fuck it is. Because it has been ingrained due to how history has played out. If one plus one equals two, and two plus two equals four, and four plus four equals eight, how did we get to eight? We went one plus one, two plus two, four plus four. We went all the way down the fucking line. You have to do the same thing when you look at America. Think about this, and a lot of people, they hate to hear this shit, African-Americans, slaves, built most, if not all, we'll say most, I'll be generous, most of the U.S. Plantations, farmers, agriculture, things like that, African-Americans working in those fields back in early times. When they were free, what did they get? Not shit, not a fucking cent. Some of them, oh, they might have gotten some land. Maybe. So if you go back, if you do your history, you do your research, and you think about it from that perspective, now fast forward to where we are now, add in redline, things like that. Add in not being able to buy housing because you are black. Adding all of the facts, and I mean, there's so many factors. Now we get to 2020, and even before that, we'll go back to the 1970s, 1980s. Let's go to the crack epidemic. 1980s, crack, crack epidemic, New York City. Oh, well, black people killing themselves. The drugs, the drugs, the war on drugs. We need to end the war on drugs. You know how many black fathers were taken out of their houses due to nonviolent crimes? Think about all those kids who grew up with no dads for nonviolent crimes. And then they, then they have no guidance. Like, yeah, drugs are bad. Don't get me wrong. I've seen what happens to people on drugs. I've had friends die from heroin. Do not sit there and tell like, I understand drugs are bad, but when you send away a father for a nonviolent crime and you put him away for years and then you make it so hard for him because of, uh, you know, parole, for him to be able to live again, like if you if you go to jail and you're on parole and you're a black man, you think it's easy to get a fucking job? My good friend back home, if he were to try and get a job, he couldn't. Over a few grams, and then he violated parole. He he works in his family business. You think if he decided to leave Fort Walton and try and go somewhere else, it'd be easy? Fuck no. Yet, yet you got a kid at who's going to Harvard or on the swim team who rapes a girl and he gets six months of whatever. That is the that's the fucking difference. And you know, I know I got I got a little bit off track, but getting off track, all these tracks they run together. People say, oh well, you're talking about something different. No, 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 all these tracks fucking run together. Black people, people of color who kill each other over drugs, it's it's about money. They don't have it. Harlem, the Bronx, 
especially the Bronx. Anyone who watched the the documentary, I can't I can't remember the kid's name, Khalif Browder. Watch that documentary. They talk about the Bronx is so poor. It's such a it's a violent area. There's not opportunity. If you have a hundred dollars, if you have a hundred dollars and can afford groceries, I have no money and I can't afford groceries, but I need to eat. I'm gonna do whatever I can and do whatever I will in order to eat to survive. For any of for any of you who are interested in understanding the vicious cycle of poverty, there on Netflix there is a movie called All Day and the Night. And the kid who the kid the main actor is an actor I've been watching because he's an up and coming actor and he stars in a lot of these films. All day and the night on Netflix. Watch that. If you want to understand vicious cycle, watch it. And there's a part in there where he talks about slavery taught us how to survive. To this day, you have black people who are just trying to survive. Don't even get me started on minimum wage. Because that is one of those, that's another leading factor to it. And I'll be honest, I think the reason why minimum wage became a big thing was because as the rich got richer over time and the poor got poorer, you saw more middle class white people slipping through the cracks and they started realizing, holy, holy shit, this is what it's like for you guys. I, I don't belong down here. You belong down here. But that's when that mindset changed. That's why you see people on the street. That's why you see more people like yourself marching in the streets. The understanding of, holy shit. Because I, I can tell you now, Black Lives Matter, the movement is not just about oppression of black people. It is about oppression overall. And you, you can, if you want to disagree with me, if you want to disagree with me, okay. But if you haven't been out to a march, if you haven't been around people who are talking, they will tell you that this is deeper than just Black Lives, like black lives Matter. You want change. You want overall change. You want the system to change. The system fails every day. Every day. And it's like, people say, oh, black, you know, I said Black Lives Matter is not political. It's it's not. Because, but in order to change things, you have to get political. But justice for Breonna Taylor, justice for the, for the, uh, for the kid who, I, I can't remember his name, um, it, it, he started the blow, he started to blow up more and more recently. The the young kid who got killed by the cops. Wanting justice for them is not political. Wanting justice for the two black men who were hung in Palmdale, California, is not political. So, to answer your question, Matthew, black on black crime is bullshit. It's absolute bullshit because white on white crime exists too. The only difference is, is it's not violent. It's about money. Yeah, I think everything you said is, I, I know, like you said, you, you weaved in a lot of different places, but I think everything you said there, uh, it does it does relate. Uh, oh, of course it does. Of course it does, but that people don't, people, that's the problem is people don't want to, people A, don't understand it because they don't see it, or B, they don't understand it because they choose not to see it. Well, it's easy to ignore. I mean, here in Louisville, it's quote unquote all on the west end. Exactly. So don't go to the west side. Don't yeah. go to the west side. There's a, of course, there's nothing over there. So, what do you think is going to happen when nothing's over there? What are people going to do? They're going to survive. They're going to survive the way that they know how. It is a it is a vicious, repetitive cycle. 
Yeah, and one of the things that I've heard from people that I've talked to here that, you know, asking the same kind of question is from a policing perspective, you know, that they basically, the answer that I've gotten is, is um, you know, we want, let, let us police ourselves, which is actually a common theme for even the protesters here in Louisville, but I think it's, it's the same thing for the black community, and I think that's where it comes from in a large part, is it's, you know, let us police ourselves, like we don't need somebody to come in here and tell us, yo, that drugs are bad, you know, killing people is bad, and, you know, all these things are bad, because we know those things are bad, and let me let me ask with those let me let me ask let me ask you this how would you fix like how would you fix it how would you fix how would you fix that issue part of it to me i do think per, you know, this is again this is yes yeah, matthew's opinion part of it i think is um due to the lack of in louisville um, and i'm sure this is a problem elsewhere as well but here in louisville police are not in most of the, especially when it comes to the West End neighborhoods, they're not part of the neighborhoods that they're patrolling. They live that's, out that's, the same, that's the same. most. That's most. That's, but that's most big cities, man. But I'm not. My question for you is, how okay. do you how do you fix? You talking about the drug? You talking about the police? Let us police ourselves. Let us worry about that stuff. How how can us as a people fix that problem nationwide? What did I say was the number one reason that shit happened? Opportunity. Exactly. Money, opportunity. You're right, yes. Imagine you put put two or three Kroger's and you allow black people to own, like, use it. Like, Kroger ain't gonna lose no money. Ain't ain't no billionaire or millionaire gonna lose no money if they they build two or three Kroger's over there. They they build some stores over there and sell it to someone who is responsible for a dollar and say, it's yours. Do with it what you will. Give black people jobs. Give them opportunity. What's going to happen? Raise the rate of raise the rate of minimum wage. But here's but here's the thing: if you give people if you give people jobs, minimum, it's all of a sudden that influx of money. You want to talk about black? Like let's talk about Black Wall Street. Money is circulating within the black community. They don't need to come to the white side. They don't need to come to the east side. They'll leave. And I don't mean you guys, but they'll leave you alone. When <laughs> the amount of times I in Louisville in any place I've gone, the amount of times I've walked into a store or I've walked past someone's car as I'm going into the store and they lock it and I can hear that shit is hilarious. It, it's hilarious. Imagine you put a few Chipotle's over there. Her, Kroger's. Think about all the different things. Give, tear down, like, gentrification. Imagine people tear down them shitty buildings, build them up, and rather than being like, okay, rent's, you know, two grand because I made this place look nice. Be like, no, rent's going to be the same. You can still rent it. Uh, I'm going to give you a job. Take care of it. If you have, like, if you have issues, come talk to me. We'll work something out. That's the problem with that's the problem with people who have money. Money becomes becomes the only thing that matters to them. They forget they forget that human like oh, there's other human lives out there. And you say, oh, now I'm talking about capitalistic socialism. No, I'm just talking about being a good fucking person. Why does someone why does someone who's a CEO who's a net worth of seven hundred and seventy million dollars need to take home twenty seven mil a year? 
but his but his employees take home fifteen thousand a year. Why does that why does that have to happen? Why does that person who's already having millions and millions of dollars need more? Yeah, just speaking on like uh, obviously people with money are used to people in power, but there's like the stigma that well we already have some like people of color or any race around our life that are in power and that with power and money becomes uh, comes corruption all the time. I mean, like, is it stupid, like, like, you have to continue to, like, I don't know the big thing is, like, vote, vote, like, so if you have to continue to give people the ability to conduct you, like, Charles Booker, Victoria Arthur, like, local councilmen, or even, like, Senator, I mean, I know that Charles Booker hopefully wins, that's just, like, the start of it with getting Michelle, but, like, you have to continue to, like, put people in power and hope that some of them will keep true to their word, like, forever. That's the thing. Like, <laughs> you have to, like, you have to, like, some of the best people to have in power are the people who don't even want it. Because if you don't want power, you're, you're, you're like, you're the type of person who, like, even, in, even when you have it, like, you're like, hey, like, here, like, you guys do whatever, like, I'm just, you know, like, you become, and that's, when you think about what a president is supposed to be, he's just supposed to be, like, the, the like, the figure. The head, he's the head of state. He's the person who's supposed to represent our country, you know, and like that's that's what I learned. The president was. He's supposed to be the person who represents the U.S. So, you know, when you talk about putting people in power, like we need more people in power who don't want it. We need leaders who they want to lead their community because no one else wants to. They want to lead their community because. They, they don't they don't care about the fame they're not doing it for Instagram they're not doing it for likes they're not doing it for clout as the kids call it today um, they're doing it because they care and yes of course with money comes corruption but let me ask you this if every single person in the in the US that worked like at McDonald's gas stations all things like that that kind of make the U.S. revolve and the economy go and things like that. Imagine if all those lower level workers, so, and I'll, I'll break it down like this. You have the higher class, the middle class and lower class. And the middle class is separated by three divisions, upper middle, middle middle, lower middle, and then of course lower class. Imagine if the middle, middle class, lower, lower middle class and lower class said, fuck this shit what would happen to the economy go fucking down the drain because guess what there's only one CEO of McDonald's maybe two who knows they can't work at every single McDonald's and people say oh well then the people who weren't working uh, decide what if the people who weren't working we give them the jobs it's like well what if we all decide nah fuck you what and people are like oh they'll just import people well now they're going against everything that they believe in that's the thing. You can't, you can't have it both ways, and that's what people want. They want it both ways. They want to, they want to work less, and and make a lot of money. But then on the flip side is, pe- the same people who they complain about, about working less and making more money. Now I understand the CEO is the person there, the head of the company. They're in charge. Like the CEO of McDonald's is in charge of all of McDonald's. He's the face, but he is not working, and making sure that every single McDonald's is great 
he's making sure the company's great, but he's not making sure every employee is taken care of. He's not in every single McDonald's. And that's the thing, like, that's the thing about, that's the thing about power. You know, like, but I'll talk, like, I don't even want to talk about religion, but, you know, everyone, like, you know, talk about God, like, God will fix this. God, you know, God is there. God, it's a big world. It's hard for God to be in multiple places at the same time. And, like, I'm, I'm not very, I'm, I'm like, and, like, that's just me. It's hard for someone in power to be in the same place at the same time. That's why when people talk like when people talk about the president, they give they give president so much shit. Uh, I give Trump, you know, Trump's one man. He's a, he is a human. He's a fucking shitty human, but he is a human. He can't he can't fix everything. But he doesn't stand for what I believe in. He doesn't stand for what this country is supposed to believe in. People are like. We need, like I said, we need people in power who don't want power. We need people in power who care more about, you know, they care more about making other people rich than they do themselves. You can't, you can't buy a person that doesn't care about money. You can't. I think also another thing when people, I kind of, my argument, I guess, against people who say, well, there's already people of color in power and then they just grow. I think you need okay. to people of color in power. Let, that me, don't let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. I don't mean to cut you off. Do you, know, do you know the percentage of black people in the country? Like a quarter. I, don't, I know it's rising all the time. It's not a quarter. You're not even close. Go down. It's less than a quarter. It's less than a quarter. Of 100%, black people are 13% of the, of the U.S. nation. 13%. You know how many, people, how many white people? No, I have no idea. Since you told me wrong. <laughs> Sixty plus. Okay. So when you you want to talk about like we talk about having more people of color in 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 power in the when you look at the if look it up and this is this is what people don't this is I'm not saying you guys this is what people don't do they don't look up they don't know who their senators they're the people who. You know, like Kentucky. I mean, you guys have been doing a great job with with all that voting and things like that. I'm, I'm, I love to see it. Unfortunately, Florida's worth fucking shit out of luck. We got too many old white people who want to live in their old age and do this, do the same fucking shit that they always do. We're not, we're, we're just in a bad spot right now. But people don't know who rep, who who represents them. And then I actually, I actually did the research and I looked up to see. Uh, the the percentage of people, and sure enough, when I look, white people are the majority of House. They're the majority of Senate. Which, of course, you would say, okay, because they are the majority of people in this nation. But black people don't make up thirteen percent of the House. People, and the, here's the other thing: the people in power. The average age of a senator is 58.2, I believe. The average age or of, a, of a congressperson is 58.2. The average age of a, how, a senator, I, it, I might have it backwards, is like 61. What the fuck do those people have in common with me? Yeah. They literally live 
lived in a time where where racism was accepted, where motherfuckers went to lynchings to watch. They were kids. They were young adults who went and watched that shit. What the fuck do they have anything to do with me, you, other people who are younger? Nothing. The world has changed. The, you know, everyone's like, oh, people have gotten soft. No, we've, <laughs> people haven't gotten soft. We've realized that this shit isn't okay. Calling someone a faggot because they're gay is not okay. Calling a black person a nigger is not okay. It's not about being soft. It's about realizing what is right and what's not. A police, <laughs> a policeman beating the shit out of Rodney King is not okay. It wasn't okay then. It's not okay now. A white man carrying around a gun into the, into the, you know, house that people, people hanging Andy Bashir, cops not doing shit about it. That is not okay. And that's where you see the difference. And I was, I didn't even want to talk about police brutality because that shit has made me so hot. But there's a huge, there's a huge disparity with the people who run our country and the people who live, the average age of the American person is 37. That's 20 years difference. I think that's what's crazy about like uh, Kentucky right now is Kentucky I'm sure is looked at as not the most progressive state in the United States, but we have a chance, you know, right now for a younger African-American guy that just seems like he's from Louisville, he cares about Louisville. That's why I talk about you all the time about how local elections are way more important than the president. The president, while I'm not a fan, and he frustrates me, and he definitely doesn't represent anything I, I believe in, has only so much power over where I live, whereas someone like Mitch McConnell... Exactly, and that's... And, and Austin, that's, that's the reason why, you know... I've been doing my due diligence, but more people need to do their due diligence. Of, and that's why I said what I said about Florida. I don't know if you guys know who Matt Gates is, but I hate him. I, he, he is, he's one of Trump's little cronies. You know, he, <laughs> he's a terrible person, but that's who represent, that's the person who represents Florida, but he don't represent me. But that's the person that Florida voted for. But it just goes at like I looked up I looked up the demographic of my hometown. It's seventy five it's seventy seven or seventy five, seventy seven percent uh Republican. And like I said, it's not even about politics anymore. It's about just voting in a good fucking person. That and that's what that's what people need to understand. You might have a Republican who's a good person. You might. That's why people need to do their research. Charles Booker, like, he, he comes from Louisville. He he he's like he comes from Louisville, you know that that's that's his area. He's fighting for the people who live in that area, so he knows that area better than anyone. Those are the type of people we need in power. We don't need people in power who grew up with money. We don't need people in power who grew up with, you know, a silver spoon in their mouth. We we need people who who had it hard, made it out made it for themselves because that was what did everyone talk about the american dream work hard go to college get a degree make something of yourself yet the people yet most of the people in power are people who come from good backgrounds and silver spoons you want to talk about change let's take 
take all these people out who had it easy. They don't know what it's like for you and me and people who, who <laughs> by the way, if anybody wants to know, most most players in the USL live below the poverty line. The only reason that the only reason you could say we that we don't is because our apartments are paid for. If our apartments weren't paid for, we'd be shit out of luck. So we like we we have it hard. We have it hard too. It's it it, it is it is what it is. Like yeah, we're blessed. We get we we do a. What we do is great. I love it. But uh, when you look at it from a financial standpoint, there are guys playing now in the USL championship who are going through the same shit as a person who makes minimum wage or less than. I was once that play. That is why I fight. That is why I publicly say shit. And, you know, it, it pisses me off that I now see, like, oh, we got a union. Like, everyone, like, we're speaking up. We're fighting for it. What the fuck were some of y'all when I was saying shit? Yeah. That but, you know what, hey, you know what? It is what it is. Uh, people, at least people know where I stand. I'd rather that. I might not be playing anymore. And that's why I'm, I'm going to say whatever I want now. <laughs> I ain't playing no more. I'm gonna say what I, I'm gonna say whatever I want now. But isn't it, isn't it funny, like not to get too far off track, but you're talking about like taking people out of power who, you know, started with the silver spoon in the mouth and always have been given everything. Like people always say, and I've heard this my whole life, and like we're the same age, I've heard this my whole life. Like, well, shit, you know, once we get the old people out of there, uh, you know, us young people will take over. But like if the old people teach the young people, teach their young kids and grandkids the way they think, then they're just going to grow old and be the same way. And it's like, well, that, and, to drastically change. Well, and that's, that's why, that's why now, but like, here's the thing. I understand what you're saying, but with, with social, I know people hate social media. I hate social media, but it is one of the biggest platforms to share information on. It's quick. It's easy. A lot of people, when, a lot of people on Facebook are way behind, and I've noticed that they they post stuff like five days after it's happened. I'm like, wait a second. But here's the thing: because of social media, it is allowed for young adults who may live in those air, may live in those types of homes to be like, mm, I don't agree with that. Things are changing. Why, like, and I and I say this because if you ever watch, like, watch watch the old March to Washington, the black and white March to Washington. Tell me the prime, the march, the Selma march, primarily black people. Now, it's everyone. You have people. You have people in London, in in Paris. New Zealand, everywhere. People are marching everywhere because you know what? They're like, hey, this shit is ridiculous. It, it's not just Selma. It's not just Dr. King. It, you have people who work everyday jobs who are leading the front lines of marches. Shit's changing and I feel like I'm the type of person, you can either get on the bus, get on the bus and sit with us, or or not. But either way, this bus is going to go. 
and you know what? I, I my biggest my biggest and it it was a worry for me for a while that damn we're just gonna go through the same shit again. We're on march. We're gonna do this. We're gonna protest. Uh, it's different now. It's very different because the conversations that they're if you go to a protest, they're signing you up for census. They're signing you up to vote. Yo, I saw it. I I saw it on Twitter. They free Uber. They were Ubering people. They are taking buses. It is different. The, it time, it's gonna take time, but change change is imminent. It's coming. And a lot of people. There's. I had a conversation with the Louisville City player not long ago, about a year and a half, two years ago, and he he asked me about a situation in St. Louis, where a kid got hung, and he said, "Yo, there is a civil war brewing." Uh, he's like, it's underground, but it's going to come to a head. Like, it, the door is just going to bust wide open. I was like, hell yeah, it is. I'm ready. Like, I'm, I can say I'm ready for it. I am. I'm ready. I'm ready to fight. Fight with people who want to, you know, and you know, it might not come to, like, guns and shooting and stuff and things like that. But how I'm looking at how Louisville police, how the Louisville Metro Police Department handled some of the shit that was going on. Maddie got shot with a rubber bullet. I was ready to come up there, but you know I got I'm in Chattanooga. I'm, I'll march down here, but shit's changing very slowly. But it's gonna change. But to be honest, with you, like that's we can talk about social media. That's probably the best thing about people ten years or even younger than us. Like they see this shit like all day. And they're constantly refreshing. I think like that's the only way that change can happen is when all this information is fed to younger people all day, all day. They're on their social media, on their phones, and even it, what's crazy about social media too is you don't have to have social media. Social media is free, and almost everybody has a phone. And I know some people are on prepaid plans, but you can get on social media, and there's information out there. And and why do you think? Now let me ask you this: Why do you think people want to? People want to uh, silence Twitter. Why do you oh, think? People, why do you think people in charge want to silence Twitter? Because remember, uh, remember what? Remember who owns all of these? All these Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Remember who owns? They're all one platform, owned by the same person. Imagine one of them gets silenced. All of them get silenced. That one. All it takes is that one. And that's what people, you know. You gotta remember that. And it's crazy to think like we all have you know, high definition camera in our pocket. And now you have like I can't remember what video was in Arizona. They're like it's a hundred thousand dollars fine to video like to just record a cop and arrest that, or whatever. That, if, you look, if you look that up, that's actually bullshit. That's, that's not. That's, that's actually that's actually not a thing. Um, like do some do do your research on that. That is actually not a thing. Like, I mean, know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. There's no because that's you. You might not have a press badge, but that's that's pretty. You know. You know what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just hard like to run against like saying, well, you know, that's kind of oppressing our freedom of whatever freedom of, of even like speech. But like if you see it now with these protests and like. And I know Matthew got there a ton, but like people just—I've only been able to go on the weekends. But I do my part as much as I can. Like, people are just you know, literally just standing there. Like, even if you want to have a conversation, 
practice. <laughs> going to practice, getting dehydrated, and then trying to get back out there and, and march five, six miles is difficult. But I love it. I love, I, I love doing it. Shit makes me happy. Sorry, I'm messing around, y'all. I gotta, I gotta eat. I'm starving. Yeah, we have this kind of set up for um, only until about eight thirty, but we can keep going. I don't, I don't want you to miss your dinner. <laughs> as long as you guys don't mind me eating curry in front of y'all, like, I mean, if anybody's, if anybody's opposed to that, then, all right, we can end it. But like, I'm okay answering. Only good information. Yeah, this has been amazing. <laughs> Hey, Matthew, do you want to, like, say anything? So I know, I mean, like, just, I have plenty of friends that have been down there, but you're probably, like, especially in this group right here that, that's been out there the most. I have a question. Uh, I have a question for you guys. If that's okay. Yes. Yeah. What, 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 what could you guys possibly be fighting about that's tearing the inside of the Coopers apart? <laughs> I mean, you don't have to go into deep, like, not, like, from basically from what I'm seeing is you got people who are, who are saying, like, blue lives matter, which, by the way, that's fucking bullshit, because you're not born a cop. You have, you have a choice to be a cop, and you don't. You do not have a choice to be a black person. So, I'm just going to say, like, that blue lives matter is bullshit, because you're not born a cop. Sorry. Um, I'm in the car. I'm in the car, so if there's distortion, I apologize. I'm driving back from a march, actually. Um, I don't know from any idea the standpoint what's going on, but for me, Herman, Herman was the only black board member, and he told me that he was at. He asked for support. And the rest of the board uh, was more pro-cop than pro-Harmon. They were pro... The board was more pro... Say it again. Oh, I saw the story in Michelle. Yes, I mean, what it comes down to, Sean, is there maybe... I don't know who else is on Like, maybe... No, never. Yeah, maybe Ken could probably articulate the best of all of us. But basically, um, there was some sort of, um, you know, amongst the board about, and basically, basically hey Matthew, the, oh, go ahead. Do you mind if I speak up? Because I, I I have a little bit of knowledge. Oh hey Glenn, yeah I didn't realize Glenn. Hey Sean, I, I really appreciate you doing this for us. Um, yeah, there was definitely a. Uh, I think there was an argument about if it was a political issue or not. This was the beginning argument. And then I think when Her Herman stepped down, was pretty much, uh, for me, was very difficult to deal with because he was the only uh, person of color on the board. And, uh, and the fact that he didn't feel like he was represented was kind of uh, defeating for me because I tried really hard to argue for things we should do and things that we should have done. And it was difficult to get that moving and, and taking care of because I think people were concerned about what saying black lives matters 
means, and they also had the concerns about the Blue Lives Matter thing, which I completely agree with you. No one is born blue. That's a choice, not a, not the way you're born. But anyway, it was just a, it, I don't know. It was very difficult to, to deal with. And, and, and people, uh, I think some people too still see this as a political issue, right? And don't see the human rights issue. And our so Andres, I guess if I were to, so let me let me ask you this. I want you to ask those group that group of people if Alexis Swahi was found hanging from a tree tomorrow, would it be a political issue? No. If if if, if you guys found out that I got gunned down by some racist ass hillbillies here in Tennessee. Would it be a political issue? Because I know I know some of the people y'all are talking about. Because I see the shit that they 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 say. Ask them. If I was if I just went for a jog because I needed to get in shape, why I needed to go for a run, and three white hillbilly cracker ass motherfuckers gunned me down, would it be political? Did they kill me for Did they kill me for politics? Ask them that. Cause that, and that's that's where it's like I have my issues with people saying this is political because it's not. Now the way to change it is political, yes. To change it might be political, but to want justice for something is not. Yeah, I'm not. Okay. I'm, not I'm not gonna say his name, but ask ask. He knows who he is. He'll he'll watch this, and he know he'll know exactly who he is. Ask him that. So, hey, this is Ken. How are you, Sean? Oh, Ken. Really nice to see you. No, trust me, it's great to see you, sir. Uh, <laughs> don't call me sir. Oh, uh, sorry, sir. No, it don't matter. It don't matter. So there, there's always been a tension in the Coopers uh, of whether or not they should be political or not. And I hear what you're saying, and I, I agree with you. Uh, even from when I was in a leadership position, it was always whether the Coopers are strictly apolitical, providing some sort of in-stadium, you know, the thing that they've traditionally done, or should they take more political stances on issues. Uh, and it was thought that if the Coopers spoke out against justice uh they would be swaying towards entering the realm of politics uh so i think that's where the the rift has always been there for years and years and i think it just as it personally as it should have it came to fruition uh in the past couple of weeks so then that yeah so you have to then look at the people who are within the coopers not like right not saying like because here's the thing if you have a and this is what i was saying about lamar jackson if you are if you love us if you love alexis swati if you love um uh napo if you love sean francis if you love luke they are they are all they're all but i mean uh sean is sean's not african-american but he's black america think about this like White people with no cultural background, black is black. They don't care where you're from, black. 
Like, that's it. So, if something were to happen to them, would it, like, and that's why, that's why I want to say, like, when they take their jersey off, are they human or not? Or, or, or do you just see them as your, as your player? Like, oh, they play for us. That's great and all, but if something were to happen to them, would they, would they be, would it happen to them because they're a Louisville City player, or would it happen to them because they're black? And I get what you're saying, like, in terms of, because it's a, it's a slippery slope. Do you, do you have that conversation of, if we stand behind something that is a political matter, you know, it becomes like you're going to have a divide. But that's when people need to understand that it's not that this, it's trying to get them to understand that this is not about politics, but it's about human decency. Yeah, I mean, but there's the, the police piece, which I think is really what brought it to four. Yes. That, you know, there are some uh, people that are very uh, pro-police, supportive of the police, and there are some, me being in this camp, that think the police have been out of line for many, many, many years going back in history and have used force to suppress, oppress black people and not been held accountable. Can I ask you, I want to ask you something, Ken, because I want to see if you can answer this question. Do you know what police oh, were, do you know what police were first used for? Do you know why they were brought into fruition? Yeah, it's been all over NPR. I mean, it, it was essentially to uh, oppress uh, black folk. I think it was right after the, the uh, Civil War, was it not? Yes. Yeah. And the main, but to go, to go a little bit, a little bit further, like I said, after the Civil War, after blacks were freed and, you know, they, they weren't slave. They were, they lived in a, like West Louisville and East Louisville. What, yes. do, what do people not want coming over to East Louisville? They don't want crime. They don't want people who, exactly. So that's where police were brought in to keep the peace. But they well, were, yeah, so we used to use the military for that, and then after the Civil War, they passed Posse Comitatus, that you can't use the military for that, so they're fine, we'll create our own little mini-militaries, and we'll keep the impression of black people going. I mean, that, that, that is exactly how it was done. So how, so the question is, is and if, this is even a question for me, the question is, is how do we get people to understand that, A, black, like, here's the thing, Black Lives Matter does not, like, trying to get them to understand that Black Lives Matter does not mean blue lives, or cop, I'm not going to say blue lives, but saying Black Lives Matter doesn't mean that cops don't matter. Because guess what? There's black cops. Yeah. If they take that, um, they take that uniform off and they do something, and a cop doesn't know he's a cop, they just see him as a black man, like, and that's, that's where... And it's that, and then the, the other question of people say, well, cops kill white people too. That is not okay. And no. That's well, what I mean, it's like. How do we get people to understand? I mean, I, 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 especially now, I feel helpless. You know, I see people getting killed and oppressed. I'm a privileged white guy living in a big giant house in the Highlands. You know, I, I don't know what to do. I can scream and yell on social media, which seems to have any adverse effect. I can yell at my friends who I think are being uh, unintentionally racist, and I can try to talk to them. But I honestly, sometimes I feel 
helpless uh, in being able to help people. I mean, so, you know, I don't want to be told what to do, but definitely look for some direction. Hey, Ken. I was going to say, uh, sorry, Matt, I don't mean to cut you off, but um, Ken, man, I'm in the same, I'm in the same boat because, you know, it's like, like I said, like half of my family is racist. They don't, they're not intentionally racist, but they say racist things all the time. And I just sit there and I'm looking at them like, you do realize I'm sitting here, right? And it's kind of like, like, I, I feel like the only way to, con- and it's, it's, it sucks because you do get tired of it. You get tired of beating, it's like beating your head against the wall. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. But the only way to get a horse to drink water is to keep taking it to the water. And it sucks. It's hard work. And, you know, it's like, at some point, you're like, damn, when is this horse going to drink water? You don't know. But if you don't take it to drink water one day, that horse might die. Yeah, so, so I mean, we'll go back to the Cooper thing. And uh, I don't know the exact timing behind everything, but there were a, a bunch of us that said, like, we got to say something. We have to do something. We can't kind of sit here and... Of course, and be on the sidelines. And I felt as if when we spoke up, everybody just quit. They didn't want to do it. They don't want politics and soccer and all of this stuff, which is incredibly frustrating because it's tearing the has been and continues to tear the country apart, uh, which is sad. I mean, I've lost and- friends just these last couple of weeks because of this stuff, and I'm okay with that. I can't talk to them. I can't lead them to water anymore because we've just cut off communications. Yep. Yeah, and you know, you know, Ken, like, I, I, I understand and I hear you because I've done the same thing. It's, there is a point where, and like I said, like I said, like at some point, you know, that horse might die. You can't, sometimes you just got to get a new horse. <laughs> it sucks. But like, you're, you know, there, there's there's always going to be I've accepted this that there's always going to be people in this world who you just can't change they're always going to be stuck in their ways you and I like there's someone we, there's someone that all of us know who's always going to be stuck in stuck in their ways but you know yeah I, I guess what, 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 what can you what can you person that's in the minority ruin it for everyone else if there's a collective of people that feel like we should speak out i mean do you want this one person not i'm not saying anybody else but just like this one person or that one person stuck in their way cannot and should not ruin it for everyone else that's like my biggest problem right now what did i say what's the whole you know don't let a uh, rotten apple spoil a bunch in this case it's true i i can't say that for police but because guess what? You don't have good or bad police. You have good or bad people. They just happen to be a police person. And that's that's another thing people don't understand. There's a difference between... There, there isn't good and bad police. There's just police, and then there's good and bad people. Uh, Ken, if I can go back to something you said earlier. Yep. I think I'll, it actually... About talking about yelling and it doesn't work, it doesn't. I mean, that's, that's actually the impetus behind a lot of people who have left. They mostly agree with you. Maybe they don't agree how active and vocal the Coopers can be, but 
it's just they've been screamed at by people who they mostly agree with and just they don't want to put up with it. Several people have left for that reason. Uh, I don't care. It doesn't yeah. bother me, so I just I'm not going anywhere. Uh, and I mostly I think I pretty much universally agreed with you, except maybe how we get. I mean, we got to talk about how vocal, how outspoken the Coopers should be versus individual members and all that. And, and can I? If you guys don't mind if I say something, I, I definitely, I agree with everything Ken said and everything Sean said, but it was difficult to try and, 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 and take that, and I tend to internalize things as well, and I felt like I was failing the group by not being vocal enough and not standing up enough, and I felt like that was on me, and that's why I stepped down, because I felt like the Coopers should represent and stand up for Black Lives Matter and for other causes as well, because we have in the past. And it didn't seem like there was a, a separation, right? This seems like a human rights issue to me, and the Cooper should be for that. And I didn't understand Absolutely. why we wouldn't want to be part of that. And it just it it was very difficult for me to figure out why we wouldn't want to do that for all the things we've tried to do in the past to not want to be a part of that. It just okay. So can I ask you guys something? I want like, and this is because this is this is me, and like this is just who I am as a person. Do you, when you, uh, when you have these, these conversations, you guys are having these conversations, you're having these issues, you guys are supporters of Louisville City. That is your team. You guys chant, you, I mean, I, I'll never forget it. You guys chanted us from before kickoff till after kickoff. You guys were always there for us. You guys were chanting our names. You guys, you know, were pissed when we lost. Happy when we won. Happy even when we lost because you knew we needed the support. And like I, I think about that, and I think like if you were to tell, you know, if you guys were to say, hey, you know, team, these are the people who don't like out of. What would it, like? And like that's the that's the question I've been having. Like, what is what? What would happen if you started outing people like that? We have some. Yeah. yeah. Over the years, I mean, there's there's been breaks from the Coopers in year one, and we have outed people. You know, no, but I'm saying, people... I'm saying, I'm uh, saying, what I'm saying is out them to, out them to the people who matter, who are the players, because then then and like it's like you're thinking like, well, shit, that's kind of deep, but at the same time, like. Think about this: all the people who are upset about race, like people get upset about the fact, oh, don't ruin a racist life. Don't if they if they do something racist, like don't don't call their university, don't call their their job, you'll ruin their life. I'm sorry, but if someone's going into nursing and they're a racist, and I get shot, and I go into the ER and they're my nurse, I don't want them to be my nurse. Same thing about is the same thing with. Being a being a professional player, I don't want someone who's racist to clap in the stands, but then to see me on the street and be like, or and if they didn't know me, and I guess that's the question is like, you know, Matt, like I saw you and Joe going back and forth, and I I just read through that conversation, and obviously I was like, what the like in my head I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like I don't. I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. Like, I, you know, like you guys are, like you guys are supposed to be a, a group together. You know, just like a team. 
no no team is and I know that's it's it's different, but on a team like if if tomorrow my coach said, Okay, like we have someone on our team who they don't agree with Black Lives Matter movement, um, they feel this way, I'm gonna ask are you racist? And if they say no, I'm gonna say, please explain to me why Black Lives Matter doesn't why why it doesn't mean anything to you. Because I'm not I'm not gonna play with no racist player. I can't get I can't get past that. I, I refuse. If that if Colin Colin Kaepernick sacrificed his whole career for for a movement that we now people are now starting to pick up on. So, you know, it's kinda of like not just you know you say you out them, but out them to out them to to Louisville, to Louisville City. Be like, hey, we want you to know that this person doesn't have so and so's back. If something were to happen, they would they would just be political. It's like, yeah, that's going kind of far, but fuck it. At yeah, this point, just... at this point, what what like you said, like nothing's working. It's not so we do we do all the same things, and you know we go from here. And, it's like, all right, so let's go the extra, let's go the extra step further, and like that shit sucks. You lose friends, you lose people, and like you destroy lives. But like, why would you want someone working in a field that matters, who doesn't care about someone else? Why would you want that person standing in the stands next to you, cheering for the same players as you? But when they walk away, they're like, well, you know, if they were to get shot, uh, what they do? What, what do I just want to say real quick on the Joe situation, one of the things that makes that particular thing really difficult, at least for me, um, is in the case of Joe, the reason why he was so mad at me is because at the end of the day, he thinks I'm okay with cops being killed. And, you know, I've tried to make it as clear as I possibly can that, that that's not the case. Um, and I know that Joe overall is a really good dude. And he wants a lot of the same things. He just has a slightly different, well, he has, you know, the whole individual versus collectivism, you know, uh, uh, ideology. Um, and, and so that he, he approaches things differently, which is fine. So the struggle, you know, I've been struggling. It's, it's easy to push people off and are just racist pieces of shit. Yeah. You can ignore them because they're racist pieces of shit, but I've been really struggling, really, you know, personally with this one situation because this is a dude that I still respect to this day, but we've been completely, you know, pushed apart because of a misunderstanding, really, at the end of the day. Um, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. I'm just, it just makes no, sense. I get, no, I get, no, I get it, but like I said... Sometimes the hardest, the hardest parts of these conversations, the hardest, in order to get to a place where, you know, where you can see eye to eye, is asking the hard questions. I, I, no one, no one, like, here's the thing. No one should be okay with anyone killing anyone else. It is, it's like, that is, it's not okay. Now, if you said, if you told me that some, like, someone raped a little girl, and the dad caught the person raping it, and he killed him. That's uh, a little bit different. Now, if you tell me that someone shot a cop, the cop was just sitting in his car, and the person walked up and shot him. I'm gonna have an issue. No one deserves to be. No one deserves to be killed. Certain, like I said, there's certain instances where, you, hey, that shit. 
they had it coming. But I don't think, I, and I don't believe that it is okay for people to kill other people. I don't. Now, like I said, there are certain instances where the motherfucker had it coming. But no one, no one, like, the people, the same people who are okay with, like, killing cops are the same people on the flip side are okay with cops killing black people. Yeah, I mean, I get that. It's just there's these, these gray areas that I think uh, Matthew was uh, describing that, that we're running into as a group, and, and, and you know, some of us disagree on, on how far we should take things, uh, especially when you get into gray areas, because there's, you know, it's tough. Um, some people may not support Black Lives Matter because they think it's a Marxist organization. All right? So, I mean, I don't know. Um, do I that? I'm sorry, I'm laughing at that. <laughs> but these are legitimate things that are happening, man. Yeah, of course. You pick stuff up on social media uh, through a variety of ways, and they come to these conclusions. And because we don't actually talk to each other in person very much, and there's there's a, there's a problem right there. That, that's <laughs> the problem right that's there. That's the problem right there. Yeah. You have to ask the question: How many of those people are talking to people who live in uh, in the West End? You know what I mean? Like how many? Like you guys are having conversation. You guys are having conversation with me like through a phone. You guys know me. You might not have known some of the shit that I told you earlier. Some of the shit that happened to me. Like, and but that's different. You you're not supposed to know that side of me. But the only way to build trust is vulnerability. You guys know shit about me that other, you know that you never would have known before. You guys didn't know about the fact that I've been held up by a cop. <laughs> I've been. I had a gun pointed at me because I threw a party. My neighbor had his gun out, ready. He, oh, well, I don't know what's going on. Motherfucker, I live across the street from you. Just come talk to me. Why are you pulling a gun? Yeah, but, yes. well, I, I didn't know I had to protect my family. Hey, we're 16 years old. We're having a party. I got my ass chewed out for having that party, by the way. My mom's pissed. <laughs> I forgot. I missed one spot on the floor that was sticky, but you know. But like, you see, what I'm mean? like, why? Like, we can't talk to each other, and everything, everything behind the keyboard, so no one can understand. Like, can't, they can't hear the passion in your voice. They, you know. And then some people, they go, you know, that like you can't see, you can't see sarcasm. You can't yeah. see the pain. You can't see the pain in people's face when you're trying to explain to them, like, yo, this is. This isn't political. This is about people's lives. Like, if you know, um, I don't know how many of you guys have seen. Uh, what is it? It was. It was with Samuel Jackson, Matthew McConaughey. It's an older movie. Um, Matthew McConaughey was Samuel Jackson's lawyer because he killed the the men who raped his daughter, and in the closing, his closing statement. Matthew McConaughey goes through the whole thing. He's like, I want you to think about this girl and how she was raped so poorly, like she could never have kids. They, they broke her, they broke her eyes off. And he, he told this horrible story and to the jurors, and they had their eyes. He said, I want you to picture this. And the last thing he said is, Now imagine if that little girl was white. And it was like, Holy fuck! Like, who'd have thought it? But 
within their own circle. They're having conversations with the people who who feel the same way that they do. And they're not... They're not I think this is good. I so, think... I actually think, you know, the... Or at least we're having a conversation. Instead that's, of ignoring... That's, that's just the, that's the first step, Ken, is having that conversation. I'm, what pisses me off is the thing that makes me most mad, the thing that I can't stand is people who are uneducated and then they, they're behind a keyboard and they're saying a bunch of things and then you say something to them and they're like, well, what do you know? It's like, well, obviously, like, I know a little bit more than you because I'm trying to have this conversation with you, but you, you've already you've already walked me off. You know, I, just the other day, someone on Facebook talked about Bubba Wallace and they, they, were, they were upset that Bubba Wallace wasted the FBI's time with a possible hate crime. He said, oh, did we're wasting time. They're, they're just wasting time. They're jumping to conclusions. Is that, like, what is so dramatic about racism? There's nothing dramatic about racism. There's nothing, you know, a noose is a noose. It doesn't matter where it's tied. It doesn't matter where it's tied with. A noose is a noose. Um, you know, like... <laughs> no, that's, a, that's a symbol, for sure. It's, yeah. it's 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 yeah. exactly just like just like the Nazi just like the Nazi salute is the Jewish people just you know like the the swastika is the Jewish people is nooses Confederate flag burning crosses all that shit is the same to, that is it's the same thing and then when you you know you take about you talk about you know the government like uh, military police you know you're talking about that the military police people and things like that then also they they made their own military and it was cops. Like people don't know their people don't know their history. People don't they don't they don't ask questions for themselves. They don't do their own research. They they think that, well, I know this. This is this is enough. This is what I know. If this person believes the same thing that I believe in, we okay, well, we'll talk about this. Oh, they're wrong. They don't believe the same things that you and I believe in. They're wrong. So it's, it's, like I said, it's a difficult, it, these conversations are easy, because most of us, most of us agree, now there might be some people in here who don't agree, but most of us, I would think most of us agree, now, there's going to be some people who are on here who, they're like, oh, Sean's just that shit, but I hope, like, I hope that I said enough things, or maybe I said something that sparked their interest, to make them go and ask the, ask the questions. It's like having, if you're a teacher with a class of 10 students, you might not make, you might not make every kid have all A's or all A's and B's. Not every kid might, you know, they might not all be great students, but if you can, if you can make one kid better, if you can take one kid who is failing and make him better, that's, a, that's one, that's one kid, that's one kid change. You can teach them something that they didn't know before. Like that's one thing. That's one kid whose life can change, and that's that's my goal. Is I might not reach everyone. What I say might not affect everyone. But if I can, if if there's ten people that I preach to, and nine of them walked off, who who they didn't like when they first came up. All ten didn't believe in me. All ten said, "Nah, this is a bunch of shit." 
fuck this guy, I don't believe him. But one of them stays behind and says, you know what, I actually have some questions. Hey, I'm winning. I don't care about the percentage. I'm winning. I have now just won one more person to my group. And that's what it should be about. And people were like, oh, well, you know, you sound political. It's not about politics. It's about getting people to understand human decency and the, the, the fact that 400 years of oppression has led to where we are now. The domino effect. You push one domino over, the rest of the dominoes will fall until it ends. Unless you remove a domino from, from the path, it's going to continue to fall. And removing the domino of racism and systemic racism is the only way to stop it. And it, it's going to take, you know, the majority. It's not, it's not going to be all, because there's always, you know, we're always going to have differences of opinions. Opinions are like assholes. And everyone's different. But it's just, how many, how many, how many assholes can we get together and be like, well, you know, this is, this, this isn't right. I think what's crazy is like you mentioned, uh, just like we all always are stuck in our own group, and like if I'm just saying what the next person and the other person with me believes, it's like, well, who am I really reaching? We're just like confirming each other's beliefs. And I remember I lived with the same, uh, like I've had the same roommate for a few years, and I remember the first time I found out that he voted for Trump. And this guy, I never thought he was political. Like, he seemed like, oh, he's a good dude, he's a white dude. And, like, I just remember, like, the hard conversations of, like, a guy who, I've had a few, and, like, I always seem like, man, those friends. But, like, I feel like you have to have those conversations, even as, like, it's more comfortable with him because we are friends, we're long-time friends. But, like, I feel like those are the conversations you have to have. People who you both share a common conversation somewhere, whether it's sports, whether it's anymore but some of you are telling us to stop 
and that's that's one of my biggest issues right now and i'm dealing with that i'm slightly dealing with that within my own family and that shit sucks but like i totally uh i I, um what's funny you're talking about like being from the south like i know most of my family lives in kentucky now but like majority of my family is from and still lives in mississippi and i just like thinking back to like when i was a kid biggest thing that i remember is like 2007 2008 obama's running for president and it was gonna be my first election i remember like how excited i was and like everybody i think i feel like people who are like a little bit into politics always remember their first election first time voting and i remember when we went down there and i was in high school it was like my senior year we went down there and i had like an obama sticker on my laptop and i just remember like you know pulling the laptop out and almost um like almost being like ignorant to the fact that like everyone in the room is staring at me like they're like why does he have obama stick on his laptop but i didn't think anything about it i'm like from louisville i go to like a magnet high school i don't think anything about it the thing is you're also you're also 18 like you were like that's the thing a lot of people don't like and that's what i'm saying like the younger age is actually more aware now because of social media than we were without it these things were happening we just weren't seeing it. Camera phones. You, next thing you know, people, police are being recorded, beaten back. Like, Rodney King was just one. You think that shit just happened once? No, we. they caught it on tape. That's the biggest difference is, like, now, now, now there's evidence. Now there's evidence that this shit has been happening far too often. You know, you got... There's... You got certain parts of town and place city like towns and things like that in 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 america especially in the south where the sheriff is part of the kkk that like that's just real it's not just in movies like anyone i don't know if anyone watched like movie like fictional movies aren't fiction because someone got the idea from somewhere they didn't just they didn't just create it like they got the idea from somewhere, and the the most recent one, like you know, I already gave you you guys one to watch about the vicious cycle, uh, all day and a night, and then now the other one with Jamie Fox and Michael B. Jordan. Um, just I mercy. Where the, what's that? Mercy. Just mercy. Yeah, just mercy. Like that right there, people like that. That shit is not made up. By the way, that took place an hour and 45 minutes from my house. It's- I want to go back to the young people thing. You young people, because I'm not young people. You <laughs> yeah, young but- people don't fucking vote. That's the fucking problem. That is. You vote at is- 10% less on average every damn election. It is. And you know what, Ken? I'll, I'll sit here and say that I, I voted for Obama. I voted for Obama the first time. And remember, we actually had the conversation about, uh, you asked me why I didn't vote for Hillary, for Hillary or Trump. And I told you, because it was, I was, I, I just felt like I was picking the lesser of two evils. But then, like, now I, but anyway. Yeah, like. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about that one now? Yeah, exactly. And, like, that's the thing. I was, I was uh, 20, uh, I was 26 years old, but I didn't know, like, I'm trying to figure out my place, in the, like, I'm trying to 
trying to figure out my place in the world. I'm thinking, to, and that's the issue is you have kids out there who think like, oh, it's not going to make a difference. Did you know, I, I forgot what, what election it was, but there was an election, I think it was during Obama's term, that 5,000 people voted for Hennessy. They voted for the drink Hennessy. I remember reading oh. that. Yeah. It was like, it's like, it's, it's not only our kids, not only are young people not voting, it's they're also voting, but they're also doing dumb shit because they don't think that it applies to them. And that, like, you have to think, like, where did they, where did they get that idea from that it doesn't apply to them? And it's like, we, these open conversations that we're having, the kids going to marches, the, the people who are now, you know, protesting and things like this there is more open conversation about how to fix these things and i like i'm one of the i i actually i don't know how many of you guys have watched some of my instagram lives but i talked about it it's like don't just vote for president also vote for state like know who you, who's running for your state because they actually have the biggest influence on police reform and you know prison reform and things like that like they actually, you know, the president doesn't, like, <laughs> Trump isn't going to Florida and be like, oh, you guys need to change this, 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 and this. No, Ron DeSantis is too busy sucking his dick while no one's looking and mm-hmm. being like, what do you want me to do? So, yeah, like, of course, you know, like. Yeah, but politics is imperfect. And the it, problem and is, is when people so, don't, when they don't get their person through the primary, which very well could happen right here in Kentucky. They're well, stuck. doesn't win. The graph does. People won't vote, and then Mitch McConnell stays in power. I mean, that's so. So the so here's the thing, Ken. It's like that's the Hillary thing. It's exactly, and now, now I know that now I made a mistake, and I can sit there and I can own it. But the only way for me to the only way for the only way for me to fix that is to now vote and also try and get someone else to not make the same decision, not make the same mistake that I did. And that's, that's basically what's happening. We're trying to, we're now making, uh, we're trying to make things happen now like that we didn't do before. But there's younger, there's now younger people who are more involved in what's going on. And yeah. it took, like, yes, it took Black Lives Matter movement. It, t- it did take that. But, what took Black Lives Matter movement? George Floyd being killed. Breonna Taylor being shot in her home. Yep. We had to lose people. We lost people in order to make change. And, you know, like, like I say this all the time, like, when you want to, like, when you go to war, you're going to lose people. There, there's going to be casualties. That's war. You, like, someone who... Someone who, like yourself, like you, you know that first. You know that first firsthand, being in the military and like things like that. Like it's it's inevitable that there's going to be losses. There's going to be some battles lost. Like Booker might not, he might not win, but that's not that's not the end of the war. Like the war, the end of the war is all right. So whoever I don't know who the person, who the other person is running. I think it's a lady, right? Amy, yeah, Amy yeah, well, there are a couple people, but uh, she's yeah. the other front. 
She's the other front runner. She's, she's the, the one. one she's the one that has Chuck Schumer's support. She's the one that has the the money from the DNC and so on, really behind her. She's the establishment candidate. Okay. Basically. So, so like now, my question is to you guys: is like, is if 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 Booker didn't win, you know, if like like you said, like the person who doesn't, like Ken said, if the person who they wanted to win is now like out of the race and it's like oh well now people aren't gonna vote it's like well now like it's you have to take on more responsibility and be like okay yeah you're right like you win but we still have a chance to win like win the bat like win the war it's like this it go it's gonna continue to go on and i'm not gonna lie to you i honestly think that like i know like we kind of got like went from black lives matter to kind of more politics the two do play into each other but at the same time they don't but um, this is kind of like one thing that I honestly believe in is the whole two part, the whole, our whole system is the whole system is rigged anyway. I think it should come down. Um, the, when you think about it, like the reason why, like, why, why is there never like a third party who's just bolstered out there? Because all the, all the corporations, all the, the top two, the top 5% really decide who you're going to vote for for president because they're the ones who give all the money to the runner the running mate or or you know the person that's up for election they're the they're the ones who give all the money to them and say well we want this person to 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 run for office we're just (laughs) we're just fucking sheep and you know like that's that's the problem with that's the problem with mainstream media and people who don't read people who have been sheep their entire life and they're just like oh this person's running for president oh well he he trump wants to kick out mexicans and he wants to build jobs i'll vote for him like it's you know it's those people those those are the type of people who's like they don't they can't they couldn't fend for themselves if they had to those are the people who it's like we we kind of need to reach or you kind of got to get in their ear because there there's so many of them out there that at the end of the day they you know they're they're just they're like innocent bystanders honestly they 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 don't really care about this or that they just they live their life they go to work they they vote you know they're just a happy good like go lucky person in their in their eyes and like that's trying to get them to understand that there's more to life than fucking watching uh, the voice and things like that. That's hard. They want. They don't I want. Think, to, that's the problem. It, they, they don't disrupt the status quo. This is uncomfortable. This is a conversation I don't want to have. Hundred percent. I think like the without getting too much into uh, the two party system and what's a bunch of bullshit. Uh, I think. My biggest worry with uh, young voters, because like uh, I have, I'm the oldest of four kids, and so I have younger siblings. I have a little brother that's 24, so he's like six years younger than me, and I think he's like a totally different generation than I am when I speak to him about politics and social, just anything that's social uh, injustice-wise. And I think something like when when you said like I felt the same way whenever Hillary was running for president, like I wasn't like a huge fan, but I. Was almost like, man, I'm just voting for like the lesser of two, and then I feel like if Charles Booker loses, 
there's going to be a huge popular. We're going to run into that again, but it's going to be on like the state, obviously state level with Kentucky, where it's going to be like people not like me, but people who were in, uh, maybe like emboldened to vote because they felt powerful or felt felt strongly about Charles Booker. They're going to go be like, oh, well, he lost, and I don't really like Amy McGrath. So it's like those are the people I feel like we have to continue to reach. Like, look. Maybe Amy McGrath's not your first choice, but it's like the whole point of it was we want to get someone like Mitch McConnell. We want to get the 80-year-old white men that are in charge that don't represent us at all out of power. So it's like those are the people we have to reach. Like I like like I told, like I said to Ken, it's like the war. Like this, these are these are small battles. Yeah, yeah, true. These are small battles. The war, the you win the war when you actually create change. When change actually is happening, that's when you start winning the war. Like, the war is the war is never ending. It's not in this country. It's it's never gonna end because there's always gonna be people on the other side. Always, you know, like just like black people been fighting for justice for, you know, their existence. The moment the moment that there becomes some parity there or not parity, but there becomes some. Uh, some equality, there's going to be people on the other side who are like, well, wait a second, this doesn't fall in line with everything that I was taught. This doesn't fall in line with everything that the American uh, the American standard is set to be. There are people who, there are anti-protesters who chant USA during Black Lives Matter rallies. Anti-protesters chanting USA. That tells you everything you need to know about this country, what it was founded on, what it what it's based on, you know, like not every and I like I understand not everyone is in the same boat. There are good people who understand like that the America that we that people envision or that should be envisioned, the America that we 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 would like to believe is the America you know we want. There's good people out there like that. The problem is, is there's still a whole other side that believe that my grandfather came over to this country, built it with his bare hands, and uh, now African Americans and people of color are trying to take it. Like that's that's the issue. Is you know. The history books, everything that we we were taught as young, and that's why I like the voting thing, the, the, the like, like racism racism is taught. You're not born racist. You're taught racism. The more people that you can that you can teach, the more people that you can educate. And I've been preaching this since day one. If you can educate people into making good decisions, educate people into doing their own research, educate people into uh, understanding where this country actually started, educating them that half the things that they are taught is the, or more than half, is just the standard um, teachings that we were all taught growing up. <laughs> um, I'm, you know, like, I was taught that Abe Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln, uh, won, you know, won the Civil won the Civil War and freed slaves. There is a lot more to that. There is a lot more to that story. Oh, no. You know, what I'm like, sometimes 
sometimes it feels like it can be, and I know I'm not the only person, I'm sure, like, everyone, especially, like, white guy, middle class, whatever, just feels overwhelmed sometimes. And it's like you think of, like, all the steps that have to be taken for people who are probably, I don't even know, are going to exist. So, like, I'm talking, like, my great-great-grandchildren are going to have to be totally taught differently. Like, and I think the biggest example recently was, like, Juneteenth. It's like, yeah, I went to maybe, I went to a liberal high school. I went to college. So, like, I'm sure that I took history classes that taught about Juneteenth. But what about, like, the kids who just are from, like, a small town that have one high school and they're never going to be taught something like Juneteenth? That you talk about, and like I, I'm gonna keep saying it, there is, there are people who will never, they will never know, they won't know any better. But and this is why I have a problem with social media. But I also think it's great. Small towns have Wi-Fi. Some of those kids are gonna, they're gonna. You know, they're going to watch something, they're going to see something, and they're going to question things. The question, you know, is how many of them are going to, we don't know. But because of the internet, because of things like that, they're going to question, they're going to, one of them will question something. Might be two, might be three. Um, another great movie for you guys to watch, Higher Learning. You know, you go to college, try and figure out who you are and things like that. Michael, Michael Rapport, I think that's how you say his name, was just go lucky. You know, he's just a regular kid, goes to college, he's trying to fit in, can't fit in anywhere. Next place he goes to, neo-Nazis. They accept him, he white. It's, it's, we, like, everyone, everyone has to now, and has to be inclusive. I'm going to, and, it's it's almost nine thirty, so I kind of want to I kind of want to leave leave you guys with this, and I want like you know one or two things. You talk about inclusion. Inclusion is one of the biggest one of the biggest issues in this country. You talk you know I talked about the Louisville, the west side of Louisville and the east side of Louisville. If white people go over to the west side of Louisville, black people are gonna be are gonna say, "What the fuck are you doing?" They're going to ask that question, like, why are you here? What are you doing here? Like, you don't belong here. Now, the flip side of that, if, if people from the west side go to the, to the east side of Louisville, white people are going to say, what are you doing here? Are you, you're suspicious, this and that. What do they do? They call the cops. There is no – black people having a barbecue will see some white people and go up to them and be like, y'all want some chicken? Y'all want some ribs? white people and not all white people but white like the white people we're talking about will could be having a barbecue see black people and and kind of keep we'll, we'll keep our eye on them. We'll, keep, we'll we'll make sure that they don't do anything suspicious that's that's one of the biggest differences in this whole thing you know like we we've talked about a lot of subject like we've talked about a lot of different a lot of different things but inclusion is inclusion is a huge thing for me because I can tell you now being mixed was very hard being mixed and playing a primarily white sport in America hard why do you have white people hair hard you don't talk black oh, I didn't know that black people talked a certain way I thought we all spoke English 
well, you know what I mean. Those those things, you know, like those conversations, it's it's the inclusion that we miss out on sometimes. Now, I, and I can sit here and I'll sit here and tell you, like, there's black people who are racist, and the idea that and <laughs> when people say reverse racism, they're absolute fucking idiots because reverse racism, there's no such thing. You're either racist or you're not. Reverse racism is not racism. So let's let's just get that out there. Black people are racist. Hispanics are racist. Asians are racist. There's racist people from every culture, re- you know, religion. You know, people are racist against dogs, pit bulls. I, I all of you know how much I love my dog, Colo. He Colo is the Colo is literally the black person of dogs. He's big. He's menacing. He looks. He looks like he could hurt somebody. I don't know who. I we're gonna cross the street because we don't want to walk past him. I have a black dog. It's funny as shit. I think it's hilarious, but it's true. Those are the things that happen. Someone sees me walking colo. Uh, oh, the looks I get. I get one of two things. Oh, he's beautiful. I love him. Wow, he's so big. His mouth is so big. He'd probably kill my dog. The fuck does that really? You know what? I'm going to get out of here. We, it's human nature to, we all have stereotypes. But the moment that stereotype turns into hatred for someone else is the problem. Inclusion, um, uh, you know, like, and you could, you could say inclusion is a, you know, opportunity. If, if everyone talks about like, uh, you know, well, uh, Diversity in the work, the workplace. Gotta have a few. Got, gotta have enough black people in here so people don't look at us right. We shouldn't be like that. Now, granted, yes, percentage. You go back to percentages of people. There's only 13 percent of black people in this country, uh, against the 60 percent of white, and then people, the other people of color who make up the rest. Because you also have white, uh, white Hispanics. People forget about that, but. You shouldn't have to say you shouldn't have to say uh, we should hire some black people because our firm looks or you know our place looks a little you know bland. Like you shouldn't have to say that. That shouldn't be like that. Shouldn't ever be a thought. The best person should get the job. The per- but you know going back to going back to opportunity. There's there's not a lot of opportunity for a lot of people of color. And until we change until we change that. Until we have inclusion, we're we're gonna we're gonna be where we are now, tomorrow, day after that, and every day. And like like we've said, like, is Black Lives Matter political? No. But is how how are we gonna make change political? Yes. And that's the two things that people need to understand. Like you can't mix those two up. You have to be able to separate humanity from politics and that's the thing like the human the, the humanity of a person being killed by a, by a race a, a group of people being killed by a person who is supposed to protect and serve 
is a humanity thing. It is not a political thing. There's no political cops killing black people. It isn't for politics. And I mean, it could be. It could be like, hey, the less of them there are, the less of them that vote. But I don't, I don't think that's something that they talk about in the workplace. It could be a mindset, yeah, sure. But I don't. Do I believe that that's what they're doing? No, I just think that there's racist people and there's bad people wearing who wear badges. There's bad people who work in nurse and and nurses like and uh, who are nurses. You know, I don't know. You guys should look up the statistics of of uh, black women who die from giving child from childbirth. Like that's a statistic that I've. I've just now come across that I've gotten into budgets. Um, statistics, like statistics, can be skewed sometimes, so you have to be careful. That's why you have to do a lot of digging. But from what from what I'm learning, what I've been learning, like I'm, you know, it's I'm very happy to know that. Uh, I've been educating myself to to an extent that I can have this talk with you guys and feel comfortable about it. If someone were to ask me questions, I could give them answers. And I think that's a place that all of us need to get to is, and, you know, I will, I'll be clear, like, I hope I'm clear on this. There is nothing that, um, like you said, there's, there's nothing I can't give white people solutions i can't do it i can tell them the issues that they don't see but when when white people are majority of the u.s nation they have the loudest voice you, you like that and that's what people don't that's what people need to understand that they have the loudest voice if a, <laughs> if karen calls the cops about some shit motherfuckers are like that that quick oh we'll get it done for you man we'll take care of it white people when they raise their voice whoever is in power they have to listen they like, oh shit our our majority is they're yelling they're screaming they they need our help their roads are <laughs> their roads aren't paved their sidewalks are bad we got to get out to the highlands and fix it you guys have to use your voice to help the problem and you know, like I hate, like I hate saying white people, but it's true. You guys are white. I'm black. I'm uh, I'm mixed. But at the end of the day, how the world sees you and how the world sees me is different. You, you know, like you, you want solu- You guys want solutions. Well, you guys have to. You guys have to do that on your own. I can I can give you facts. I can give you my own personal background and things like that. But. You guys are going to be the ones who make shit change. Honestly, like we can help, but there's only 13% of us, 13% that can help. You guys are some, like you guys are split 50, 50. There's not many black. I don't know many black Republicans. And you know, that's, and that's a whole other issue because I, I think Republicans don't care about black people and neither do Democrats. Honestly, I think there are two birds. There are two wings to the same bird. You know, one just coaxes the other one, strokes, strokes them like, oh, vote for us. You know, we'll take care of you. Like, I honestly believe that's how it is. Now, all of them? No. Most of them? A lot of them? Yeah. Same thing with Republicans. And that's why I say we have to, like, don't vote. Don't vote Republican. Don't vote Democrat. Vote 
good human vote humanitarian vote human and you know like like i said you guys have the loudest voices in the room if i scream for justice uh you scream for justice i guess we gotta listen to them but you know like i i i've enjoyed this conversation you guys are you guys will always be special to me um you guys made my three years in that city uh, a great time. I, I enjoyed it while I was there. There are things that there are things that about that city that will always that will bother me, just like everywhere else. There's things that happened to me while I was there that will bother me, like everywhere else. But at the end of the day, like I can sit here and proudly say, like I know Louisville, Kentucky, and I know that there's good people. I know that. You know, I was a part of something that was that was great. There's some shit that happened that one day I'm gonna speak on it, and we're gonna get to that. And that point's coming very soon because I think it's, you know, it's time. But you know, being knowing that I lived in the same city that Muhammad Ali lived in, and that he was fighting for the same things, and you know, I'm very proud to sit here and say that like I marched. My kids gonna hear about the fact that I marched. They're gonna they're gonna know that I that I pl- I was from the same city as one of the, like the one of the greatest athletes ever and who fought for the same thing back in his time. Like you get to share those stories, and some of you get to too. Like think about that. Like when you're dead and gone, and times passed, and eventually things change. Like which side? Like which side do you want to? Like which side do you want to be on? Because this is. It's gonna change at some point, but you don't like, you don't want your great grandchild to be like, damn, my my great grandpa or great grandma was racist as fuck. You don't want that. <laughs> but like I said, like you guys are great. I appreciate this. I had a I had a good time. I, you know, if if you guys ever want, you know, information or like to have more more of a more of a talker you have questions like you know where to reach me you know where to find me and i'm I'm more than willing to there's you know i have no problem with it if if, if at any time you know just just hit me up shoot me shoot me a dm on instagram or twitter like these conversations are great and i might not be able to talk you through it but maybe i can help you out with a link tell you to where to look what string to pull on, see if you can unravel it yourself, see if you can show it to someone you know that to help them unravel it. At the end of the day, that's what's what it's going to take. All right, Sean, we love you. I appreciate it. I really nah, appreciate I your time, you Sean. Nah, you guys Thank you for your time, Sean. Thank you. I miss you, Michelle. Thank you so much, Sean. No problem. Thank you, guys. Sean. We miss you, too. <laughs> tell tell Z man I said hello. I hope he's doing well. He's in the shower because he had to wait for mom for dinner. He's in the shower because what? Because he was waiting for me to get home with food. Oh, uh, <laughs> you know, year olds can't find the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> hey, tell him, tell him I started cooking at fourteen. I'm gonna message you because we're gonna be passing through there. Next Friday, next Saturday, Friday. I'm, I, so I'm just telling you guys now that I'm done. I'm, I'm retiring. 
uh, I probably won't be in Chattanooga much longer. Uh, just, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens, but I don't. <laughs> so you're going to be updating that Twitter bio soon from close yeah. to close to uh, almost former professional almost soccer former player. Professional to former. It's it's coming. It's it's about six seven days out. <laughs> Do you have a coaching opportunity lined up? Um, yeah. Uh, so I'm waiting to hear back from a place in Jacksonville, and I was offered a place in, place in uh, Oakland, California. With the roots? No, I wish. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, just a small club. I'm going to have to get a part-time job and things like that. But uh, I figured I'll, uh, there's a part of me that wanted to walk away from the game completely. And everyone was like, no, you can't do that. Like, that's horrible. Like, don't do that. Like, that's horrible. And I was like, no, like, I'm, I'm done. Like, I, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I just want to be, I just want to be Sean. Like, I want to be, a, just want to be the person. And like, please don't. And I changed my mind. Like, I was like, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll coach, you know. And my, the, the opportunity in Jacksonville is definitely better. But there's a part of me that wants to go and kind of just live my life. Like, I've never been able to just go and do what I want, you know, like, soccer has dictated everything about my life, and, you know, like, a lot of people have asked about, there's been certain people who've asked about me coming back to Louisville, and we always will, I, <laughs> I love it there, but certain, we, certain we know there are certain individuals that are yep. currently within the organization that would make that difficult, <laughs> very, very difficult. So, um, and that's, and like I said, it's a, it is what it is. I'm, that shit don't bother me no more. I grow I'm. So when's the tell all podcast happening? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> um, there, trust me, there's, there's time, you know, like there's times where I just want to like, I just want to go off and be like, uh, like you, you might not, you might think i forgot but i didn't you know and like there i've had i've had conversations with i've had conversations with other people uh and trust me like there's people within that organization who i really care about and who you know i talk to uh every now and then brad estes will always be a, a good person in my eyes he's we've been talking through for a little bit about what's going on and he's He's trying. He's he's actually trying, and like I'm proud. I'm proud to sit here and say that he's my friend, and he's someone who actually cares. And you know, like, <laughs> you know, uh, Mayor Fisher, like I said, like, like I said, you're in the stands. There's gonna be a problem. That that's when I'll start out, and that's when I'll start outing people. He shows up in Lynn Family Stadium. I'm gonna start saying some things that are gonna start asking people questions. So that and they're gonna sit there and be like, "Well, that makes sense." But I'm gonna hold off. I'm gonna hold off on those. People forgot that I was there. I pay. I pay attention to this shit. I will say I don't. I don't think that's gonna happen because, like, one thing that the entire city seems to agree on for for many different reasons, but everybody agrees on we hate Mayor Fisher. 
like There's nobody. He he is literally lost everybody. Um, all this is this, this is all I'm gonna this is all I'm gonna say about it. Lynn Family Stadium. That's all I'm gonna oh, say. Oh, Lynn Family Stadium. Yeah, not Lynn. necessarily the stands, but uh, okay. Lynn, yeah. Lynn right, I get I'm it. just all I'm saying is I get Lynn, it. Lynn Never Family mind. Stadium. Money talks. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Is he going to be there for match one? <laughs> That's a really good question. Uh, I mean, I don't know, but like I said, Lynn Family Stadium. I'm going to bust in and say goodnight, Sean. I'll message you yeah. offline um, see if we cross paths over the next week. All right, so yeah, just, you always know where to reach me. So, tell, like I said, tell Z I said hello, and uh, I hope I get the, you know, like, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm gone as soon as, as soon as the time comes. Like, I'll, you guys won't see me for a long time except on social media. So, it's a little sad. Mm-hmm. And hey, Sean, I just, I really hope the coaching thing works out and that you enjoy it because you've got a lot to say that I think people need to hear, and I hope people can benefit from it. Yep, I appreciate that. Can you still? Yeah, we appreciate it. Ken already dropped, or yeah, Ken dropped earlier. All right. All right, well, you guys enjoy the rest of your night. Be safe out in Louisville. If Matt, especially you, because I know you're at the protest all the time. Uh, you know, just be careful out there, because we had a sniper on the roof here in Chattanooga. Shit was wild. Um, but, like, yeah, and take care of yourself. Every All of you guys take care of yourselves, and you know, hopefully... I'll see you guys soon. Yep, you as well, Sean. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right, see you. Guys. No problem. Bye. Yeah.